This month, our podcast is brought to you by Jay Brooks Coffee Roasters in Memphis, Tennessee. You know by now how much I love coffee, and Jay Brooks has a special place in my heart. True North is their original signature blend. Its name points to Jesus Christ, who they say is the real owner of this company. The name reminds us that we are guided by unwavering integrity and clarity of purpose directed by our Lord. The name derives from the world of orienteering, finding your way across terrain with a map and a compass. In order to stay on course and avoid getting lost, the compass must remain oriented toward true north to avoid getting off track by the pull of the compass toward magnetic north. When trekking in the backcountry, the alignment of the compass with true north must be regularly calibrated multiple times along the path in order to stay on course. Did you know that? I love learning new things. Just as the pull of magnetic north can get a hiker off track and eventually lost, so the pull of the world can also affect each one of us. If we're not careful to constantly calibrate ourselves, our spirits, ethics, morals, decisions, with our perfect standard in Jesus, we'll slowly but surely lose our way and end up somewhere we don't want to be. It's in these moments when it's especially important to create some breathing room and ask, how's all that working for you? Jaybrook's Coffee Roasters offers True North as a perfectly balanced cup that reminds us to remain centered in the one who is perfect to orient our lives every day. And hopefully we'll savor a cup that infuses a bit of tasty delight along the way. To order this signature blend for yourself and learn more about Jay Brooks, click the link in the show notes or visit jbrookscoffeeroasters.com. That's the letter J, brookscoffeeroasters.com. You are officially invited to create some breathing room. This is the absolute best podcast to find the strategies, resources, and motivation you need to stop drowning in overwhelm, break free from hustle culture, and live out your God-given purpose. I'm your host, Rachel Baker, and girl, I've been there, done that. It is my God-given purpose to help you find space for an intentional life so you can confidently live in those strengths, skills, and passions that light you up and serve others. I know you are ready to create some breathing room. So let's do it together. Hey, welcome to episode 14 of Create Some Breathing Room. Today's episode is a reader review. I love sharing the books that I've been reading, books that have impacted my life and my walk towards creating some breathing room in my own life. This is one of those books. Today, we are going to talk about the book Atomic Habits. And this is one that you've probably heard of it. You might have even read it. It's become very popular, especially with those who have big goals. They're trying to reach these goals. They want to get things done. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to share with you my four big takeaways from this book because it's not a short book. There's a lot in there, a lot of content. It's all really good, but I want to kind of narrow it down for you and share how it speaks to creating some breathing room in our lives. So before we dive into the first four things, I want you to know kind of who wrote it, what it is. James Clear is the author, and he's an author and speaker who's focused on habits, decision making, and just this continuous improvement. So Atomic Habits The term itself basically means a regular practice or a routine that it's not just small and easy to do, but it's also this source of power. And it's a component of this system, this idea of compound growth. So we'll look at and talk about this idea of 
just making 1% improvements each day. So a couple quotes that speak to this that I love, they're towards the end of the book. But one of them, he says, each improvement is like adding a grain of sand to the positive side of the scale, slowly tilting things in your favor. And I love that imagery. That's such a beautiful image to think you don't have to just pile it all on at once, get it all done. It's one little grain of sand at a time. And then another quote I love, you want to push your good habits toward the left side of the spectrum by making them obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. Meanwhile, you want to cluster your bad habits toward the right side by making them invisible, unattractive, hard, and unsatisfying. So that's a really general summary of all the content in this book. But I want to share with you my top four takeaways. And in there, I'll include a few quotes. uh, But just to kind of really get specific about what we're doing with our habits, with our daily activities, why it matters, and how making these changes can help us actually create some breathing room. So the first thing is the importance of systems that work, not just the importance of systems, but systems that work. And within that, making your habits easy. So James Clear in this book, he says, goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results the importance of having a system that can get you there. Um, Another quote, if you're having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What? So for me, I want to share on each of these personally, kind of what this has looked like implementing in my life. So obviously, if you've been here long, you know my favorite project management system is Asana. It is digital, but within that, to speak to what he's speaking about here with having systems and making habits easy, I have tasks in Asana every single day. It's a recurring task, so it automatically repopulates. When I finish it today, I check it off. It's automatically going to pop up again tomorrow for me. I don't even have to think about it but I have one for my morning routines and I have one for my evening routines. And these are things that when I first started, these are things I wanted to be my morning routine. I wanted to be my evening routine. I wasn't really good at doing things consistently. So in the morning, I need to remember to drink water and take my meds and vitamins. I need to remember to make coffee. That one's not hard. I do that one regardless. I want to remember to read scripture or devotional, something to get my mind focused for the day, and then check in with what Asana says my day is supposed to look like. So that's my morning routine. And all of those were not happening consistently first thing. So I made that a task. That's the first thing I come in and look at. And I go through my checklist before I jump into any other work things or before I check email, any of that. So having that system in place helps me immensely. And then same thing for the evening routine. I wanted to make sure that um, things were kind of cleaned up. You know, if I need to run the dishwasher, I want to make sure Asana is set up and ready to go for tomorrow for the next day. 
So the last thing I do, I check us on and make sure I've either checked everything off or moved it to a different day if it didn't get done. And then part of the evening is also just clearing things out, making sure things are ready. You know, if it's school, our kids things ready for school the next day. So those are all in there. And before, again, maybe I would forget, oh, I forgot to run the dishwasher. I forgot to check and sign kids' school papers, whatever it was. I have that system in place. I'm ready to go. And then also things like a habit tracker. So for exercise or drinking enough water, these things are especially helpful for recurring tasks because in a digital system like Asana, you put it in there, you tell it to pop up again the next day after you've checked it off, and it does, and you don't have to think about it anymore. So I learned all things Asana for myself, and then I started helping others who were looking for better systems, whether it was optimizing systems they had or building out Asana for them and their life, their needs and routines and habits and appointments, all of that. I love this quote. He says, it's only by making the fundamentals of life easier that you can create the mental space needed for free thinking and creativity. And that that has 100% been accurate for me, freeing up my brain to not go, oh, what do I have to remember to do this morning? Or what do I have to remember to do before I go to bed? Or whatever it is, that has freed up my brain. I show up, I do whatever Asana has on it because I've prepped that for myself. And then I can have the freedom to write, to create, to make podcasts like this. The other thing about this idea of making things easy is ease can also come through your environment. He says, people who make a specific plan for when and where they will perform a new habit are more likely to follow through. Facts. And then another one, he says, a small change in what you can see can lead to a big shift in what you do. You don't have to be the victim of your environment. You can be the architect of it. I honestly, I just love that wording, that idea to be the architect of your environment. He says, create an environment where doing the right thing is as easy as possible. And he says, redesign your life so the actions that matter most are also the actions that are the easiest to do. Do you hear the recurring theme here? Make it easy, make it easy. So for me, what I have tried and has worked really well, I want to walk first thing in the morning before all that morning routine stuff. And I'm only doing it three days a week. So I pick my three days. And the night before I set out the clothes that I'm going to walk in, my tennis shoes and socks, I put them all in the bathroom where I'm going to go wake up, get changed. And I just walk straight out the door with all my gear on, all my gear. It's not that much. Um, If it's a morning where I want to do yoga in the morning, I will lay my yoga mat out on the floor of the living room the night before, and I will choose the night before the video that I want to do because I'm just doing stuff at home. So if there's a YouTube video or if I have a DVD or something, I pick that out the night before because when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to be going like, what am I doing? Which one? I don't know. This is too much effort. (laughs) It's not, it doesn't take too much for me to talk myself out of working out. So all of those things, I prep it the night before so that when I get up and I come out, I go, oh yeah, there it is waiting for me. Well, let's go. And it makes it so much easier. So that is just my example of being the architect of my environment, using my systems and making these things easier. The second one is about identity. 
And it's this idea of where is the proof of your identity? I have this quote on a post-it in my closet, and so I see it every day. I did it a few years ago, actually, and it says, create evidence of obedience to God. I don't know if I got that from somewhere. I don't know where that came from, but it's been in there for a few years now. But that's kind of my take on this idea that he has. One of his quotes, he says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. I want to have proof of who I am as a person. I want to create evidence. And who I am as a person is I'm someone who is obedient to God, serving him, serving others. And so what does that look like? So he has this two-step process to changing your identity. If you look at who you are and you're like, oh, what? This isn't where I thought I'd be, or I want something else, Um, or you're just not showing the proof of who you feel you are, your identity. The first step, decide the person, the type of person you want to be. And step two, prove it to yourself with small wins. That's it. Decide, prove it. He says in this book, the focus should always be on becoming that type of person, not getting a particular outcome. So it's not about the goal itself. It's what is the type, who's the type of person who reaches this goal that I have, right? Um, and I heard something very similar recently. Um, we did a previous reader review of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And I heard him on a podcast recently saying something very similar where it's not about goals. I don't want to reach goals. I want to become this type of person. So what does that look like? So that's my second big takeaway is trying to give proof, show evidence of who I am as a person, my identity. And for me, my identity is in Christ. So trying to give evidence that I am shining the light of Christ to others, that's my daily goal, right? All right, the third one is he's talking about our needs versus our wants. So how to combine what you need with what you want. And this, listen, this is the eternal struggle of exercise, right? Or eating. I mean, this is a hard one. So I love this quote. He talks about temptation bundling, which is an interesting term, I think. But he says, temptation bundling works by linking an action you want to do with an action you need to do. And can we just talk about how gyms across America, right? All these athletic centers have nailed this. How many gyms do you go into and they've got TVs everywhere, right? There's music going, there's a smoothie bar. So there's all these things we want. We want to sit and watch TV, but we need to go work out. So they've got TVs. I recently saw a gym that is near us here in town. They've got all these machines, the treadmills, the ellipticals in a separate room with a huge movie screen. And it's like, here's the movie that's playing this. Come and see it. You can come work out while this movie is on, which I think is hilarious, also effective. So this is that idea, if you are just wanting to work out at home, right, you put on a TV show or a movie, or maybe for me, I love to listen to podcasts and don't always have that time. So I listen to a podcast while I'm walking in the morning, right? Or if I need to get some concentrated writing done, 
I want to go to the coffee shop, though. I want to go. I want to drink coffee. I want to be out of my house, not around dishes and laundry. So I go to the coffee shop to write. The writing needs to happen. The coffee drinking wants to happen. So combining those together. So another quote he has, he says, habits are easier to perform and more satisfying to stick with when they align with your natural inclinations and abilities. And he says, choose the habit that best suits you, not the one that is most popular. Can I get an amen? You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I'm never going to be a runner. I'm, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things physically that my body will not allow with my chronic pain and illness. So I can't do all these other things. I have to find the one that works for me, suits me. So, and the last quote from the section that I love, he says, habits need to be enjoyable if they are going to stick. So this idea of putting what you need to do with what you want to do to make it happen brilliance. Some of you are already doing it, but just a few extra ideas for you on that. All right, this last section is the one I am the worst at. This is my this is Rachel's confession moment, okay? Reviewing and reflecting. This is not my natural place to live and I'm really trying to get better at at this. But he talks about the value of this intentional review and reflection. So here's one quote for you. After one habit has been mastered, you have to return to the effortful part of the work and begin building the next habit. So we can't start attacking everything at once, that 1%, right? 1% a day, do one little thing, add that on, make that a habit where you don't even have to think about it anymore. And then you got to go back, reflect, review, Is that working? What was good about it? What was all of those things to start the next one? In December, I think is a really great natural time where we kind of go, oh yeah, the year is ending. Here comes the next one. And we do a little review and reflection, right? A lot of people still do New Year's resolutions. I'm not one of them, but I know a lot of people still do. But we're going like, what went well and what didn't? And what did I learn? And what's going to be different? But one thing that I love in this book is he says he also does a yearly integrity report. So not just that annual review, but at about the six-month mark, so somewhere in the summer, June, July, there's this integrity report. And those questions look a little bit different. He's asking, what are the core values that drive my life and work? How am I living and working with integrity right now? And how can I set a higher standard in the future? And I love that because it's not just about what can I do? What goals can I reach? But it's how am I living my life? Are my values driving what I do? And here's a quote. He says, when you cling too tightly to one identity, you become brittle. Lose that one thing and you lose yourself. And I'm just going to take a hot second to say, hey, mama, I see you. All the mamas out there. How many of us live in that place of I am mom? And that's it. That's all we got. We talked about this when we talked about having hobbies, about how it's difficult to step outside of that. Or even if you have a full-time job and you've got big goals there and this is who I am, this is what I do. But if that's all you've got, if that's your only thing that you're focused on and it's gone, then who are you? Right? Back to that identity piece. So for me, 
part of my progression with my chronic health issues, my work changes, right? Instead of I'm a special ed teacher, because that's what I did. I did developmental therapy, special education, but I couldn't keep doing that physically. Well, now who am I? Now what do I do? So I'm a special ed teacher then becomes, I am the type of person who explains things in ways that others can easily understand. And I have compassion for those who are struggling. And when I look at myself in that light and what I'm able to do now, it still fits. My identity hasn't changed, but the way that I implement that in my daily life has. And that's okay. I see you over there. You're constantly doing all the things for everyone else, but when do you have time to breathe and take care of yourself? God did not create you to be an afterthought, sis. It's time to refill your cup so that you can keep pouring into others without running on empty. I'm hosting a three-night, two-day retreat for women who struggle with constant exhaustion, feeling overwhelmed, never feeling caught up, and wishing they could just escape for a hot second. I want you to click the link in the show notes, or you can head over to racheldbaker.com to join the waitlist for the Renewal Retreat. Be the first to get the details for our next retreat so you can rest, recharge, and find refuge with other women who totally get it. You can't truly invest in others until you've invested in yourself. So click that link in the show notes or head over to racheldbaker.com and join the waitlist for the renewal retreat. The last quote that I want to leave you with, and this is what really guides me towards this reflection piece and why I want to do it more. He says, a lack of self-awareness is poison. Reflection and review is the antidote. I want that. I want that antidote. (laughs) I want to know who I am and where I'm headed and how I'm giving proof of who I am. To sum it all up, I just want to recap those big four takeaways for you, because this was a lot, a little bit longer. Um, So the first one, systems that work and making your habits easy. The second thing that I really found to be important was that piece of identity and that two-step process where you decide the type of person you want to be and prove it to yourself with small wins. Small, small wins, that 1%, right? The third thing, combine what you need with what you want. That's part of making it easy, right? And part of your systems. And then that last piece is having intentional review and reflection. And for some people, this is just natural. We're journaling every day, or that's where we just mentally spend a lot of time. And for others of us, we are scheduling that mess in just like we schedule everything else, but it's important. So if you made it all the way through this, and you feel like, man, I could use some help with any of those steps, book the free coffee chat. I would love to talk with you about it. And the link is in the show notes. It's also on my website, racheldbaker.com. Whether it is getting that system in place, if you want to set up a sauna or try to get a different, if you're not digital and you want a different system in place, I'm here for that. If you need to get clarity around your identity, if it's hard to step out of that, I'm a mom or I'm a teacher or whatever it is for you and discover the 
type of person? What does that look like? I love that conversation. Finding the best ways to build these new habits that are going to demonstrate proof of that identity. Or if you need just help with scheduling time to review and reflect. If you're like me and that's not your natural tendency, I'm here for all of those conversations. As a certified life coach, I would love to walk with you through that journey to put in place these atomic habits that will get you to where you are giving proof of your God-given identity and feeling confident in it while also creating some breathing room for yourself so that you're not working so hard to do these things. It's just naturally built in. It's easy. You've got a system in place. You're living your best life and taking a good breath while doing it. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to check the show notes to get links for all the resources mentioned in this episode. As always, your reviews make such a difference. So thank you for taking the time to leave those for us. Your ratings and thoughts mean so much. I love reading each and every one. As we wrap up today, please remember, life can feel crazy and overwhelming sometimes, but you will never regret taking the time to create some breathing room.